saying that for months, have I not? If you've been with us, uh, we have really, uh, I've really enjoyed this series that we've been doing for the past several weeks. We've been in this kind of end of summer uh, series that we're calling Give Me a Break. We're going to be finishing up next week, and so we'll be concluding uh, this awesome series next week. But basically the theme, the heart uh, of what we've been talking about, and, and this series has been about how do we find rest how do we find relaxation? How do we find renewal uh, for our heart and, and for our souls uh, right here and right now uh, through God? And so we've been, what we've been doing is looking at the Ten Commandments, kind of a different, a different way of looking at the Ten Commandments. But we've been looking at these uh, ancient commandments from the Bible. They were written some 3,500 years ago. God gave them to Moses basically for uh, instruction for the nation of Israel at the time. And, and what we've been seeing is that these ancient commandments uh, that God gave us basically have become uh, the fabric for all of civilization since then. And, and that these commandments are, are just as applicable, if not more applicable. Woo, that was a lot in one mouthful, but they're just as applicable today as they have ever been. And so we've been talking about that. And what we've been learning is that, you know, we often learn these two, 10 commandments. We look at these 10 commandments through, you know, as a list of rules or something that we absolutely have to do. But we've been learning that God didn't give us the com these commandments to take away our freedoms. That's not what he's about at all. God is not about limiting our freedom or, or taking freedom away from us, these are not a list of rules that we, we have to obey, but instead there are a set of guidelines that he gives us that we get to live by, we get to live within so that we can enjoy the life that he has for us. His word tells us that he wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. He wants us to have hope and goodness and joy and peace and happiness and all these things. And so he gives us these guidelines and says, hey, in order for you to have all of this goodness and, and all of this that I want you to have, here's the parameters that if you'll, you'll do this and live within these parameters, you're going to have life like you never imagined experiencing and living life before. And so that's what these, these commandments are, are all about. And, and like many of the awesome vacations that some of you have got to take this summer. I mean, you absolutely make me sick when you post all that on Facebook or where, where you get to go and all the stuff that you get to eat and, and all that. And no, I'm excited that, that you get to do that. But like, you know, many of you have taken vacations, enjoyed them. You know what? We can take a break from, from the frustrations of life living in God's blessings that he has for us right here within these guidelines that we're looking at because it's here that we find life, okay? It's here that we find purpose that we sang about earlier. It's here where we find our meaning. It's where we find our hope for, for the future. And so today we're going to be continuing that. We're going to look at the ninth commandment uh, of these 10 commandments here in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, and the ninth commandment simply tells us this in, in verse number 20 says this, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And again, this is, you know, like many of the others that we've seen, this is a pretty straightforward commandment. God says here in this command, I don't want you to ever testify falsely uh, against your neighbor. 
And, and I believe there are two basic principles here that, that are pretty obvious that God uh, intended to be lived out. And, and so it's obvious when you look at this commandment and you see that word testify in there. And, and so what you do, you know, we get this idea when we see that word testify, you get this idea that God is referring here to kind of a, a courtroom situation. Right? Or, or a courtroom type of scene. And so basically the idea is this. If you're ever called upon to testify in court, then you should tell the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. Right? And, and so basically the idea that we get from this commandment is this is important because there is so much at stake when you're talking about justice. All right, there is so much at stake when you're talking about uh, specifically justice in a courtroom or within a government or within a nation or civilization. And, and it's very important to justice that eyewitness testimony is true and, and it can be trusted. There is nothing that compromises justice more than false testimony from a witness. So it's extremely important. Wouldn't you all agree? Amen. All right. And so God is saying if there's going to be accurate justice within the context of a courtroom or government, then truth must be at the core of that. Okay. And the ancient Israelites took this command very, very seriously much more seriously than we take it today. And if you were called on to testify back in this age, back at this time, if you were subpoenaed, if you will, to be a witness or to give testimony, if they discovered that you told something that was not true, if you gave false testimony or false witness or you lied under oath, the punishment under ancient Jewish law was this, that whatever punishment the perpetrator was sentenced to, okay, if you were caught lying or you did not tell the truth as a witness, then you would receive whatever that punishment was, was to be for the perpetrator. So think about it. If you were a witness or you were testifying in a murder trial and the penalty of that was death, if you were found not to tell the truth or you were found to give false testimony in that case, then you would receive the death penalty for doing that. That's how serious this was. They understood the seriousness that truth must be at the root and at the core of justice. Because in a civilization, in a nation or a government, if you don't have a trustworthy justice system, right? If you don't have hope for justice then there's no integrity in the system. And we've seen time and time again that that system and that civilization falls apart. It deteriorates because of that. And, and so the first application of this command we see in the importance of a judicial context. But I believe there's a much broader idea behind this commandment when it comes to a nation or a government. I believe that God is saying this. Don't lie, period. Because think about when it comes to a nation more specifically, if the truth is not at the core of its values, if the truth is not at the core of a nation, then what is? Deception, right? And the only way that evil 
can, can play out within the context of a nation or government is where there is deception. Because when good, well-meaning people that are intending to do the right thing and want to do the right thing, and they're good people and they're well-meaning people, when they get deceived, they are believing something that is a lie. They're following something that is not true. So, so think about it. A lie that is believed as truth will affect us as if though it's true. You with me? And so when masses are deceived, and we've seen this time and time again all throughout history, when masses are deceived, then normally good, well-meaning people will start behaving in the pattern of the lie. And we've seen examples of this, not just all throughout history, but you can look in just the last 100 years, mass evil that took place and occurred because of mass deception that was taking place in Nazi Germany. There was this mass deception by lies that were told, uh, they, they were told that Jews were somehow inferior human beings. And they began to spread this word and spread this truth. And it took on a life of itself that, that Jews were inferior humans. And, and so they needed to be exterminated for, for the welfare and the well-being of all other humans, right? That these, humans, these Jews, because they were inferior humans, they must be exterminated. And these huge lies were bought into by tens of thousands of people. And because of that, millions of Jews lost their lives. In the history of, of communist Soviet Union, there were millions of lives, uh, of lives that were lost all because of deception and, and because of lies. The Communist Party, they actually released a publication every single week that they called Pravda. And it was this publication that they put out and they got to as many people as possible every single work and that every single week. And that word Pravda actually is the word for truth. But it wasn't the truth. What was being communicated was far from the truth. It was a false message that was being delivered that created and caused mass deception. Mass evil is often driven by deception. And, and so this commandment is so very important within the context of justice, within the context of governments, in the context of nations. So be very careful about what you believe. And what you hear may not always be the truth. And so we have to be very careful. But here's the deal. It's truth that enables justice. And it's truth that prevents evil. But as we've seen in the past several weeks, as we've been looking at these commandments, it's not just about how these commandments play out out there. Right? We can take it and we can look at it from a national perspective. We can look at it from a U.S. government perspective. We can look at it from a world perspective. We can take this and say, this is what this looks like and this is what this ought to be out there. But we see Jesus come along in the New Testament and he takes these Ten Commandments and he says, let's talk about these again. 
Let's look at these commandments again. And he, what he does is, is he takes these commandments and he takes every single one and he says, okay, I want you to relate this one to how it affects you, to your heart, right? It's not just about what's going on out there. It's not just about the government. It's not just about other people. But instead, Jesus says, I want you to take this commandment and I want you to look at it through the lens of looking at your own heart when it comes to these commandments. I, I want you to take a look at your own heart and your own life because here's the deal. If you will allow me to, God says, I would love to do a great work in your heart. If you will allow me access, I would love to do a great work in your life and in your family. And if we allow God to do that, he will lead us to this incredible life that he has for us, the life that he intended for you to have, the life that he wants you to have. And so this commandment today is about our words, but most importantly, that our words are words of truth. I shared this with Lynette yesterday. I'd never heard this before, but I recently read this, and I didn't read it on Facebook, so it's true. Uh, but, but I read this, that the average American has 30 conversations a day with other people. Now, there's two sides to that, right? There, there's some of you that are here today that are extroverts, and you probably have more than 30 conversations a day. Uh, I'm going to say... No, I, I, I did this in a man-woman thing earlier in the first service, and that didn't go so well for me. So I'll just, say, I'll just leave it at extroverts, probably have more than 30 a day. Uh, introverts probably have less than 30 a day, maybe half of that. But basically, the average across the board for Americans is that we have 30 conversations a day. Now, now here's what's mind-blowing. If you were to write every single thing down that you say, in a day. All right, if you were to write every conversation down, every word that you spoke, if you were to write all that down, you would create 66 books that are 800 pages long each in a year's time. So you would have your whole set of, no, you would have like Six sets of encyclopedias at the end of the year is what you would have if we just recorded the words and the conversations that we spoke in a year's time. Every week, there would be over 1,000 pages added to your book, right, of conversations. Now, I personally have never read an 800-page book, all right? But let's say that some of you your lives were so boring, you know, that you wanted to read an 800-page book and, and you, were, you, you, know, you were so bored that, that you, you wanted to do this and go read someone's, you know, all these volumes or whatever. And they wanted to read your book. What would they find there recorded in your books? And as I was thinking about this, I, I thought, you know, if someone were to crack open my book <laughs> of my life, 
from just this past week even, they might look at that book and go, Steve, I can't believe you had that conversation with him. <laughs> Steve, flip over a few pages here. It appears that you weren't quite so compassionate with your wife in this conversation. Right? And, and you could continue reading, and, and, and you know, you might go along and continue reading along, and the more you read, you probably would go, holy smokes, this guy has a lot of conversations with people about their medical problems. <laughs> it's true. But I wonder if you cracked open the book of what I've said just in this past week, how much of what I said was true versus something that might be a little less truthful. Because here's the deal. This is not just about lying about something that is just adamantly not true. This is not just talking about that big, black, bold-faced lie. Okay? Uh, another side of this is when you might be reading along and go, Oh, Steve-O, you kind of used a partial truth there in that conversation that you were having, right? Uh, and and you, you, I, I see what you did there. You, you kind of did a, a, a kind of partial truth to make that sound a little bit better than it actually was or, or, or try to influence some way to do something you wanted them to do in some sort of way. It could also be when you're just reading along and there's nothing there. And it just kind of goes blank. And there's just kind of dead space there. And you could see where I purposely withheld what was actually the truth. And, and if I'm honest today, there probably would be more times than I'd like to admit that my conversations this past week, even the preacher, probably weren't fully true. So let's get off Steve-O because Jesus said this is about your heart, our hearts, right? If I had a book of your conversations up here this morning and I cracked it open and began to read to the entire church, <laughs> some of you'd be a little nervous. You're like, does he really got the book? Well, I might. I had people tell me all the time, nearly every Sunday that I preach, someone will come up to me following one of the service and go, do you like have our house bugged? Like, No. But don't miss this. The reality is with this commandment, if we're honest, it impacts every single one of us to some degree. It does. It, it just does. The Bible talks a lot about our words. The Bible talks a lot about what we say. There's a really powerful proverb out of the book of Proverbs that we looked at a few months ago, and we talked about the power of the tongue and that our tongues have the power to give life and our tongues have the power of death. Right? With our tongues, we can uh, encourage. You know, we can, we can uh, speak life-giving words to people. We can empower people. We can lift people up. So our tongues truly uh, hold the power of life. But, but our tongues also hold the power of death. Like when our, our words are, are critical, or our words are, are untrue or demeaning. And so there's a lot at stake, not only when it comes to justice, not only when it comes to the courtroom, not only when it comes to a nation, there's a lot at stake when it comes to our own hearts. 
And, and so when we take a deep look uh, within our own lives and we allow God to do a work uh, in us, then we have to know, we have to understand the truth about lies. We have to know the truth uh, about lies. Now, through this entire series, we're not only looking at the behavior, we're not only looking at the action that the commandment talks about or leads us to, we've also seen that it's important for us to take that and peel back the layers, okay? Peel back the layers of the behavior. Peel back the layers of our action and get to the heart, right? And, and look at and identify what is it that is behind this action or this behavior that I have in my life. And so if the behavior is about our words, if, if, our, if, if our behavior is, is about our untruthful words, the question is, what is the heart behind that? What is it that drives that to come out of us? What is the motivation behind why sometimes we're not fully honest or sometimes we're deceptive in what we say. And I believe there are at least three motivators that I want to look at this morning, three different conditions of our heart that will sometimes motivate this type of behavior. And here's the first one. Sometimes we won't be fully honest because we're trying to avoid some kind of consequence, right? We won't be fully honest because we're trying to avoid the consequence. I've shared with you a few times over the past few months, I'm, I'm kind of hooked on a, a television show that's called Live PD. They actually just ride around cameras with these police departments all across the United States. And, and it's the craziest thing uh, to watch. I've learned so much and, and it's like, kind of like an adrenaline rush. Uh, but you don't want to let your kids watch it because it, sometimes it's not appropriate. But that's why I probably shouldn't be watching it, but it's good. So anyway, yeah, yeah, I probably shouldn't be watching it. But anyway, I do. And so, but what happens in this show is, is that God's still working on your preacher too, folks. But what happens in this show is, is, is it's amazing to me the number of times they'll pull someone over and they'll have either alcohol, uh, drugs, or a gun, or something illegal in the vehicle. And every time the officer finds it, they will say, it's not mine, right? It's not mine. It's not mine. And that's what they'll say. One of the guys said the other night, he said, if they ever swear, swear on their grandmother's grave, swear on the Bible, or promise you there's nothing illegal in the car, bank on it. There's something illegal in the car. And so, but anyway, the other night I'm watching this, and you see it time and time again. They actually have a little bingo game that you can play along, and that's one of the deals. It's not mine. But the other night I was watching it, and, and the craziest thing, they're, they're checking this one guy. He's under suspicion of, of something, and, and they've got him in handcuffs, and they're patting him down, and they find something in his pocket. And, and I believe it was heroin. I'm not sure what it was in his pocket. But anyway, I, I kid you not, this guy said this. They're not my shorts. So you're wearing them, but they're not yours. And he had a great story about why they wasn't his shorts. But, you know, honestly, a lot of times people just lie to try to get out of the trouble that they're going to be in or they might get in, right? And, and I don't believe any of you here this morning have any heroin in your pocket. At least I hope you don't. But, but let's, let's take this down to a level that maybe some of you people can relate to. Let, let's say in the morning you're running late for work, right? Because it's Monday, 
And sometimes, you know, we have a little trouble getting going and getting started on a Monday. And so, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that maybe you just overslept or maybe you just couldn't get the kids around and get everybody going. And, and the truth is that you're just running late. But what do you do when you walk in the door and the first person that you bump into is your boss? You start making up stories, right? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, the traffic was really, really, really bad this morning, you know? But, you know, the, uh, it, we say things like that because what are we trying to do? Well, we're trying to avoid possible consequences that might happen in the future should he see us walk in late again. And we just automatically, I mean, it just, whoo, it just comes out of us. And, and we do that. Or, or let's, let's apply it to maybe the marriage relationship. And, and, and not that any of you would do this, but this may have happened in my house before to where we actually uh, don't fully disclose how much we may have paid for an item. Like a fishing rod. You know, maybe, maybe, and I'm, I'm not promoting this. I'm just saying some of you may have done this in the past and you put a little bit of it on the card and then you've got what I call boodling money that I keep hid, you know, and, and then you pay the rest with the cash. And so nobody ever really knows if you use cash, right? And so, you know, some of you may have done that in the past. That's withholding. That's commandment nine. Maybe, maybe it's hiding or deleting internet browser history on the computer. You know, and can I just speak a little truth to you this morning because I love you? A secret for all practical purposes, I believe, would be a violation of the ninth commandment. Now, when we think about a secret, I would go as far to say this, that a secret has no place within the context of marriage. A, a secret has no place within the context of a close relationship because here's the deal. Secrets always erode trust. They do. Keeping secrets does damage to relationships. And so if you're hiding internet browser history, if you're having to delete text messages so no one else will see them, if you're having to clear phone logs so no one can see who you've been talking to, you know, whatever that might look like, secrets have the ability to erode trust and damage and destroy relationships. Now, with that said, I feel like it's also important for me to note because some people will take what I say and take it completely out of context. And so I think I need to tell you that there is a big difference between a secret and a surprise. Okay? Just so you know. All right? Secrets are where we realize that what we have done is wrong and so we don't want anybody to know about it. Right? Surprises are those moments uh, moments in life when it's, it, it's something that's good and we want people to know about it just at the right time, right? And, and so, you know, it's the secrets that erode trust. It's the secrets that can really damage a relationship. And a lot of the time, it's because what are we doing? We're trying to avoid some sort of consequence. We're trying to keep ourselves out of trouble. 
But there are other motives that uh, might cause us not to be totally honest or another reason that we might not fully tell the truth or, or to lie. And it's so that we can get what we want. So, so for example, let's say that, that I'm applying for a job and, and I begin filling out a resume. It's possible that I might not be, you know, totally honest about every single detail that goes on that resume, right? I mean, we just, we just want to make ourselves appear to be a little bit better than the person on the other resume that they might be looking at, right? And so our goal, our job in filling out a resume is that we make ourselves look better than what we actually are. And so let's say I'm filling out a resume to become a pastor of another church, and I put on that resume, you know, that I pastor a church of 700 people. When the actual truth is, is that I have pastored in front of a group of 700 people at one time, which was Easter, right? So it's true. It's kind of true, not really true. And, and so sometimes we, we fudge the truth a little bit in order to get what we want. Or let's say, for example, you've got something that you want to sell, maybe a four-wheeler, lawnmower, car, house, whatever it might be, and we know that there's something wrong with it. We know that there's something wrong with it, and, and, but, but we don't fully disclose everything. Why? Because we want to get the maximum amount of money that we can out of this thing, even though it has been leaking oil and you've got gum over the hole. Crooks. That's a whole nother command right there. May have to go back to that. But so sometimes the untruth in our life comes out of us because we want something. And in very extreme cases, if we're ever threatened by someone else, you know, getting what we want, we might even lie about them to bring them down a little bit so we will look better to get what it is that we actually want. So sometimes our lies are about other people. And it reminds me of a story I read a long time ago, a story about a preacher that had been pastoring in, in town for, for many years. He had been there, and, and he was highly respected in the community. Uh, he had a great name among all the people. They held him to, you know, just a, a high... They, they thought the world of him. He had done so much good in the community. The people loved him. What happened was a new pastor moved to town at a different church uh, down the road. And, and, and so, you know, all he ever heard all around town were awesome things about this other church and awesome things about this other pastor. And so he became a little jealous and he wanted that kind of respect. He wanted that kind of honor uh, to be associated with him and, and his name. And so the only way that he need, knew to do that was to undermine the other pastor's credibility, right? And, and so he started making up some things about him that weren't necessarily true. They kind of stretched the truth a little bit and took things out of context. And he began spreading these things all around town. And before you know it, these rumors and these lies and these untruths, that, you know, it didn't take long before they started getting some traction in the community. And other people then began to jump on the bandwagon and begin to join in about the criticism uh, of this pastors and, and some who didn't join 
going in. You know, they just avoided the pastor altogether. And it didn't take long before this pastor, who had such a great name in the town, had lost all of his credibility and all of his influence was pretty much just shot in, in this community that he had been in for so long. Well, a few years had passed. And this young pastor that had moved in, it began to really bother him about what he had done. And he began to, to, to feel guilty about how he had treated this pastor and the things that, that he had said. And so he goes to this pastor and he says, you know, uh, I was way out of line. He said, I'm so sorry that, that I hurt you. I'm so sorry that, that I affected your, your reputation. I was wrong about what I did. And I just want you to know that I'm sorry. How could I ever possibly make this up to you. And he said, well, you know, I really appreciate you coming to me. He said, that was, it, it's huge of you to come and say this and, and, and to apologize to me. And he said, but here's what I would like for you to do. He said, I'd like for you to go home today. Take your pillow off your bed, cut it open, take it outside, and just allow the wind to strow the feathers all over. He said, just let them, let them go wherever it is that they want to go but that's what I want you to do. And the guy said, okay. So he went away, he goes home. A few days later, he comes back and he visits the, the, the veteran pastor. And, and he said, you know what? He said, I did what you asked me to do. He said, I took my pillow, I took it outside, I cut it open, I spread the feathers, the wind blew them everywhere. I don't even understand, but I did it. Is there anything else that I could do to make this up to you? And the pastor said, here's what I want you to do now. I want you to go pick up all those feathers and put them back in your pillow. And he said, well, that's impossible. No, pastor said, exactly. It's impossible the same way that it's impossible to gather up all of the careless words that we've spoken once they've already been scattered. And sometimes what motivates us to not be totally truthful is because there's something that we want or maybe we're jealous. Maybe it's to avoid some kind of consequence. But the third thing I believe this morning is sometimes we do it just because we want to be accepted. Sometimes we do it just because we want people to like us right? We want to be embraced. Sometimes we're not completely honest because we want people to embrace us, to accept us, to make over us. Because in the back of our minds, a lot of us think, you know what? If people really knew me, they probably wouldn't like me. If people really knew me, they probably wouldn't accept me. And, and so sometimes we do that. We paint this picture on social media that makes us look like somebody that we're totally not, right? And, and so, you know, or, or, or perhaps we walk in the doors of church, and, and, and we've talked about this a lot, but a lot of times we walk, in, we walk in the door of church and we're wearing this mask, we're wearing this facade, trying to look like everybody else, trying to look like what everybody thinks we ought to be, and so we hide behind the mask. Why do we do that? Well, we want to be accepted. We just want people to like us because if people really knew us, they probably wouldn't like us. 
And, and listen, that's why we say around here a lot, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay in this church not to be okay. We embrace people in this church that are not okay because for whatever reason, God has decided to put all of us messed up people together right here in this one building. I don't know why he did it. It drives me absolutely crazy. All the perfect people in this town go to church down the street. You know, it's got to be a breeze being their pastor. But you're all nuts. We're all messed up. And God put us all together right here in this same building. And if you're visiting with us today and you're not messed up, you go, go ahead and go because we are. <laughs> it, it is what it is. And, and, but, our, you know, our, our nature... Our nature is to sometimes compromise the truth so that people will accept us or so that people will like us. And so when we peel back these layers that we were talking about earlier about why do we behave this way? Why do we, why do we act that, this way? Well, we do it sometimes to try to avoid consequences. We do it sometimes to get what we want. And a lot of times we do it just to be accepted so that people will like us. But here's the deal. I believe that God wants to change all of that. I believe that God wants to do a work in us and change us from the inside out to transform the core, to transform the heart, so it changes the behavior and the actions that are going on on the outer layers out there. He wants, listen, he wants to free us from all of this that is so difficult because you know as well as I do, when you tell a lie or an untruth or withhold it, you've got to continually do that from now on. That's a lot of work, right? And God wants to free us from that. I, I love what Jesus says in the Gospel of John chapter 8, uh, verses 31 uh, and 32. He says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know what? You will know the truth, and the truth is going to do what? Oh, y'all ought to be more excited about that than that. The truth will? Oh, my word. There is something about the truth. There is something about God's truth that sets us free. There's something about the truth that brings us freedom, not bondage. There's something about the truth that sets us free. Now, let's just take that just for a moment real quickly. And think about that practically as we think about the three things that we just talked about, right? Sometimes we're not honest because we're trying to avoid some sort of consequence. But here's the truth. Here's God's truth, okay? God's truth is that he sent his only son, Jesus, to the world to pay the penalty for our sin so that we don't have to pay the consequence, so that we don't have to assume the consequences that we deserve. God has set us free, right? And because God has set us free, we can rest in that. Whew. We can relax in that. We can find refreshment in that because he has set us free. When we feel motivated to lie or, or to not tell the truth, to get what we want, the truth is what God says is my relationship with you is more than enough. It's more than enough. And, and when we recognize that, when we rest in that truth, that our relationship with the King of Kings, when our daddy is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, 
We don't have to manipulate people anymore, right? We've got it all. We've got it made. We've got everything that we could possibly want or have in a relationship with God. We don't have to deceive people to get something that we don't have because we, we already, what we already have in God is already enough. It's enough. God's truth sets us free. And when we think about what it looks like to not be totally honest or be deceptive to gain someone else's acceptance, what we have to realize is this. The truth is, God's truth is that in our relationship with God, you are already unconditionally loved and fully accepted by him. Listen, you don't have to make yourself right before you come to God. You come to God, and then he makes you right. You don't have to make yourself right. You don't have to clean yourself up in order to come to church, in order to come to God. He does that after the fact. We come to church, and we come to God, and then he makes us right. And oh, by the way, it's not overnight. It's a process. It's a journey. But we're all traveling it together, encouraging one another, right? He makes us right. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. What's amazing about God's truth is God's truth sets us free. There's freedom. We can live truth. We can speak truth because God transforms us from the inside out. And and so God wants us to know the truth about lies. God says he wants us to look different. He wants us to look different, act different than the rest of the world. God says this, you know what? I want you to be like your father. I want you to be like your dad, who is truth. I want you to be like me. I want you to be the truth. And when we are people of truth, our heart will look a whole lot like the heart of God. We honor him by what we say. We breathe life into other people. This ninth commandment is a very significant commandment. The question is, will we walk within the guidelines of this commandment? Will we walk in obedience to this commandment? Because when we do, not only will we find life, not only will we find freedom, but other people are going to find it through us. They're going to find it through us. We don't have to do this. We've been saying this all along. We don't have to. We get to. That's the exciting part of this. We get to. And I'll close with this this morning because I think it's important. One thing that the Bible says about God is this. God cannot tell a lie. God cannot tell a lie. Why can he not tell a lie? Because God is fully truth. And so when he says things to you, Like this, you are loved, you are adored, 
I have a purpose for your life. I want to give you meaning. I want you to have fulfillment. Listen, it's all true. It's all the truth. So hang your life on that truth because the truth will set you free. And when and, and then you will have life and you will have life more abundantly. Let me pray for you. God, thank you today for this awesome reminder again about who you are and who we are. And if we've placed our faith in you and we've accepted you, then we're a child of the King. We're a child of truth. And God, we understand today that sometimes our actions and our behavior is not truly a reflection of whose we are or who we are. And God, I pray that today that we'd be open and receptive of what you want to do within, what you want to do in our hearts, what you want to do in our lives. Because we understand, we realize if we will allow you to do a work in our heart, that then will change everything on the parameters perimeter. And so, God, I, I pray today that you would do that work, that you would uh, be given the uh, permission to do that work in some hearts and lives today. Because, God, we just want to honor you. We want to be children of truth. We want to be more like you. And, God, so I, I pray today that as you do that work in us, as we go out, God, that, that you would use us in very powerful ways because the truth makes a difference in this world. And we want to be difference makers. We want to be obedient and faithful to you and the call that you have on our lives. So God, we love you so much. We thank you again today for this time together. We thank you for our worship today. We thank you for your word today that has spoken to many hearts. We love you for that. And we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.